greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. on the map, the man that has made everyone in the World Wrestling Federation shake, the man that has made everyone here sit on the edge of their chairs waiting for his arrival. Now if you'll all stand and show the proper respect, you dummy, go get the carpet, the red one, and roll it out. Let's do it right this time. Bobby Heenan, what are you, what are you what doing What am I here? doing? Relax. It's not like Hulk Hogan coming out. Where oh, just, here's Hulk Hogan. Whoopee, big deal. I'm going to show you a proper way to introduce somebody. Oh, the royal show treatment. Show it the right way. Yes, this is the royal treatment. You got it clean? Okay, move it. Off the set. Now, it's time. Live and in living color. The greatest world's heavyweight champion in the history of this great sport. And it's my pleasure to introduce... You got it. The real world's champion, Rick... Stand up. There you go. Stand. Everybody stand. Everybody up. Everybody. Welcome, Rick Flair, to the World Wrestling Federation. Oh. Rick Flair, I will not contest the fact that you are known to be one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. But in the process of arriving here in the World Wrestling Federation, you have incurred the wrath of not only Rowdy Roddy Piper, but the World Wrestling Federation champion, Hulk Hogan. Are you ready to take on either of these superstars? Recognized as one of the best wrestlers in the world, is that the way you introduced me? Well, yes, I, I would agree with that statement. Well, why don't we start from the top? First of all, several months ago, the greatest mind in this sport, my close friend, Bobby Heenan and I, put together what you might call the winning package. Heenan, Flair, world champion, greatest mind. And we decided that if the money was right, that Ric Flair, instead of hollering to get in the doors of the WWF, ought to take that huge step and stand right in front of the doors and knock as hard as he could and challenge the man that you all recognize as the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. Well, Hulk Hogan... I'll get to you in a minute. First of all, let me get to a guy by the name of Roddy Piper. Because, Piper, before I get wound up on Hogan, you and I got a little short bit of business to take care of. In my absence, the greatest mind in our sport brought my World Heavyweight Championship trophy out on national television. Not to be braggadocious, not to show off, but merely to let the world know that the real world's heavyweight champion 
was going to be coming to the WWF. Well, lo and behold, did you think it wasn't going to happen? Did you think the greatest mind in this sport would walk out here with $75,000 worth of pure gold and blow smoke? Well, if you did, you were wrong. So, Roddy Piper, when you took off those earphones and walked from behind that desk with your cute little skirt on and walked over and spit on this and grabbed him, you put yourself in permanent retirement because now piper <laughs> you gotta wrestle the real world heavyweight champion and if you're honest with yourself you know piper you know piper what the real deal is all about what are you gonna do the first time you see mr piper what right across the face i'm gonna hit you so hard piper your skirt's gonna fall to your ankle <laughs> And then what are you going to do? Who are you going to spit on laying on your back, Hot Rod? Now. Excuse me, Eric. I think you should mention about how many times, how many years you challenged Hulk Hogan. Well, Unanswered. Man. For 10 years, it's been two names. Hogan and Flair. Hogan, the WWF champion. Ric Flair, the world, the real world heavyweight champion. Well, now... Let's bring this down to something that Hogan will have to understand. You don't ignore this. My name's Ric Flair, and I'm going to burst that bubble, big man. And henceforth, big man, Hogan, wherever you walk, in any major airport, in any department store, in any hotel lobby, the question is going to be in your face from everyone. Can you beat Ric Flair? You're going to have to wrestle him, Hulk. I mean, Hulk, you're our hero. You're the man. And Hogan, that's when you're going to have to look inside. You're going to have to say to yourself, well, yeah, am I? I don't know. Well, I know. I'm Ric Flair. And I'm the real world champion. I know. How about that, brain? I guess what I'm saying is, Hogan, put up or shut up. Give me the belt. Walk away, nobody gets hurt. Or what? You got a problem with that, sweetheart? I'll show you what I'm about later on. You keep tight right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that, Hulk. Show us what you got, big man. Very, very, very big intense. Daddy. Rick Flair, the Canadian Let's get back to the Texas Tornado taking on IRF. Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, JP John Paz. And this, of course, is the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire on the TMPT feed. Today on the Hogan Era Podcast, it's all about the nature boy, the nature boy, Ric Flair. And, of course, when we're talking about the Hogan era, we're talking about the era between 1984 and 1993, the golden era of the WWF, a.k.a. the Hogan era. There would be no great era in wrestling. There would be no supreme era in wrestling without the Hulkster. Yes, there are many, many key figures in that time period in the WWF, but none bigger than the Hulkster. So here we go. Ric Flair comes in, makes his debut September 9th, 1991 to the WWF. You never thought that this would happen. This was pretty damn shocking to say the least. He is synonymous with the NWA. And then eventually, of course, when Turner buys the NWA from the Crockett, he's synonymous with WCW. You never thought he'd show up. And to put a cherry on top of that, you never thought he'd show up with the WCW world title, the NWA world title, the big gold belt. You just didn't think he would show up with that belt at all. Twofold. You didn't think he was going to show up. You didn't think he was going to show up with the belt. So pretty damn crazy, pretty damn wild. But as soon as Flair gets there, and, and you're thinking at this time period, okay, Hogan's just ending the feud with Sergeant Slaughter. He gets the best of him, but he's kind of going to be feuding with The Undertaker as well. And then you mix in Flair, too, who, 
by the way, is also kind of feuding with the uh, excuse me, the rowdy one himself, the hot rod, rowdy Roddy Piper. And can you get any bigger than that? Flair comes in and basically says, I want Piper, I want Hogan. I mean, that's pretty damn, uh, you know, ballsy. It's, it's one of those things, okay, I'm going to shoot for the top. Obviously, him being one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, that's pretty much a slam dunk that he can't, you know, pull a CM Punk and start feuding with jobbers here. As soon as Flair makes his debut, you got to go for the top. I mean, you got to go for the money feuds. And of course, that would be with Piper and then Hulk Hogan. So you think the big feud, of course, was going to be Hogan Flair. The two biggest stars of the 80s, the two biggest stars, arguably, of all time, the two goats of all time. Anytime anybody is really probably talking about their Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling, they always say Hulk Hogan and they usually say Ric Flair. To me, anyway, for the most people I talk to, most people I heard of, from I know you can sprinkle in a bunch of other guys, Austin Rock, Andre the Giant, whoever. But in this instance, I think that Hogan and Flair were the two biggest stars of this time period, for sure. Possibly the two biggest stars of all time. So when Flair comes in and Flair is, you know, calling out, like I said, calling out Hogan, calling out Piper, and wearing the big gold belt, you're thinking to yourself, okay, there's another mainstream player. There's another main eventer. There's another top dog in the WBF. Really, he's going to be taking Slaughter's place as the top heel in the organization. Undertaker, yes, is there and eventually will, like we talked about last week, is going to win the WBF title, albeit only six days from the Hulkster. He is by no means a top heel. I was talking about this last week. He wasn't that over at that point. He was getting there. And obviously, being the Hulkster and being WF champion is going to get you a certain point and it's going to really raise your game and raise your stock and it's going to make you main event player. But by no means was he the number one heel or the number one focus as far as being the number one heel in the company at this point. So immediately, as soon as Flair debuts, obviously he becomes the number one heel. And the interesting thing is here. So, okay, Flair signs with WF in August, really debuts in September. He begins appearing on TV with the big gold belt. Like I said, he keeps calling himself the real world's champion. So you think, okay, the real world's champion versus the WBF champion, Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. You cannot get any bigger than that. You throw in a little kicker here. His financial advisor is Bobby the Brain Heenan, and his executive consultant is Mr. Perfect. So Flair, like I said, will make challenges to Piper. He'll make challenges to Hogan. At Survivor Series, he'll have his own team against Piper's team, and that would be September, excuse me, November of 91. And like I mentioned, he does later on help The Undertaker defeat Hulk Hogan for the WF Championship, which, when you think about it, says more for where they want to head with Hogan and Flair than Hogan and Undertaker. Undertaker is almost just like the extra guy in this match or like the prop in the match. Really, it's it's he was kind of the means to an end to kind of really set up the feud of like, wow, we're really building heat. Flair was the one that cost Hogan the title. What the hell? Like Flair cheated. You know what I mean? So when Hogan wins the title back six days later and he beats Undertaker at this Tuesday in Texas, again, Flair is out there and interfering and involved. And then really leading to the Royal Rumble, which is the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. We'll get to that a little bit later, but Flair obviously is going to win the title there. And you think headed towards the great feud of Hogan versus Flair, but not so fast. Before we get there, let's talk about WCW for a second. They would end up suing Ric Flair in an attempt to reclaim the championship belt. Flair had claimed otherwise because there was a loophole in the NWA policy. When you first become champion, the NWA required all wrestlers that are going to be you know champion for an extended period of time. But really, any wrestler that wins the title, they have a security deposit, and that wrestler, because of how much the belt is worth, the big gold, they'd have to make a security deposit of $25,000, which Flair did. So which, in fact, would mean that the belt is being leased to any wrestler who held it, and the NWA is holding that 25000 as just a security deposit, a bond, and they'll give it back as soon as the wrestler loses the title. So the NWA, in, in usual cases, would just return the deposit and any interest that may have accumulated upon the conclusion of the wrestler's championship reign. This did not happen for Flair because he was terminated by WCW and Jim Hurd. And since the money was still owed to him by the NWA upon signing with the WWF, Flair believed that the belt had become his personal property due to them not paying the 25 grand. 
So they'll have to pay the 25 grand to Flair in order for him to give the belt back. Plus, WWE suing because that's their belt being used on WWE TV. Eventually, WWE will just blank it out and just cover it up and say he's a world world champion and just kind of almost, I would say, disrespect the belt a little bit and, and put a little fuzzy thing around it so you can't really see what Flair is holding. But you know it's the championship belt. I know there's been occasions where he was actually holding up the tag title, but it was blurred out. You'd never be able to tell. And you would think he was holding up the title. But anytime you're the NWA champion, you're coming in from WCW, you didn't lose the belt, which is crazy. The time-honored tradition, as Mystic Man likes to say, you didn't lose the championship title. It's pretty damn crazy. And you're still the champ, but you still have the belt. So everyone kind of thinks like, wow, this guy's credibility, to me anyway, is through the damn roof. He never lost the title. He's still a champ. He makes the claim that he's a real world champion, and immediately he can make a claim that he should be the WF champion getting a shot at Hogan. You know what I mean? Because if you think about it, he's the champ. He never lost. And pretty foolish on WWE's part. I mean, I guess that's a different story for a different day, but obviously... Jim Hurd. I mean, you, you got this guy's got a job on the way out, and he's got to lose a title, and you probably shouldn't have fired him. I mean, there were so many mistakes there by WCW and uh, cutting Flair's hair and trying to think that he's going to play Spartacus. I mean, it's ridiculous for one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, if not the greatest. Trying to do that just shows you how clueless Jim Hurd was about the business, and he just didn't know anything about Ric Flair at all. Should never fired him. That should never be the case. Absolutely ridiculous any way you slice it. So we'll talk about kind of where this feud starts. And I know a lot of people talk about this, and me and my friends always talk about this. It's like Hogan versus Flair in the WF is the feud that never was. Thank God for WCW 94 all the way till 99, maybe even you know a little bit past that. But technically, Hogan and Flair were still... In their somewhat in their prime, but still in their top drawing capacity. Because when Flair and Hogan feud in WCW, it's great. I mean, the match at Bash of the Beach '94 is great. The match at Halloween Havoc '94 is great. And you wonder why WWF wasn't able to capitalize. Vince, so oh, he Vince always does everything right, and WCW all screws screws things up. Think about Big Show. Vince had no clue how to book him. He was booked way better in WCW, and I kind of equate the same thing here, like. WBF had no idea how to book Flair and Hogan. What the hell? The two biggest stars of all time. You don't know how to book them? Like, how clueless can you guys be at this point? It's crazy because it seemed like you guys were on a great path. The Royal Rumble, it seemed like everything was headed in towards the right direction, and then they blew it. So if you think about it, it's like, okay, WCW really capitalized on WBF dropping the ball. And they ended up making a ton of money and doing a couple of really good pay-per-view buys for Hogan and Flair. And they had great matches. I mean, you, if you want to say Meltzer scale or whatever you want to say, I mean, they were four stars and above. I mean, they were great matches. Flair did a great job of making Hulk look great. Hulk did a great job of you know making Hulk look great himself. But to me, in the WF, it was really the feud that never was because if you want that big money feud, it's Flair and Hogan. But for some reason, and we're going to try to delve into it. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of rumors and stories, and I've talked to J.J. Dillon about it, and there's been many, many interviews about it. Why that feud just didn't happen and didn't come to fruition is crazy because I think the WF was kind of missing the point of what could have been. It was a huge, huge feud at the time, and I don't know why Dorian Flair's run there from 91-93 that we didn't get the Hulk big time feud i mean it was a mini feud which is crazy we've talked about in this show before like a dr d david schultz was kind of a hogan mini feud um you had earthquake kind of as a mini feud but like flair hogan flair should never have been a mini feud this is a main feud this is a main event wrestlemania type feud put them both on the poster and that's what sells you think about it, like okay hogan savage hogan warrior hogan slaughter then you can add hogan flair it's like wee, that's a big one and I know, technically speaking, you get Hogan, Sid, and Flair, and Savage, and they're both on the poster, but you know what I mean. That stare down that they have, that, that look at each other, that's the poster. That's You just put Hogan, Flair, WrestleMania, that's going to sell, and it doesn't happen. We'll kind of get into maybe why, but uh, crazy to think that that absolutely didn't happen. But they really were both coming off uh, hot streaks in the 80s, of course, the two biggest stars of the 80s, with, without a doubt. And this was a showdown that everybody wanted, but it resulted in anything but that. This was one of wrestling's biggest missed opportunities for sure. 
When Ric Flair entered the WF 91, him and Hogan did exchange a series of promos. We kind of played one uh, last week during the funeral parlor where Flair gets in Hogan's face and says he's a real world champion. And, you know, obviously leads to Undertaker and Hogan at Survivor Series. But that was a really cool, like, little teaser there of, of like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Okay, this is cool. So during the entire run leading up to 92, they wrestled at several house shows, as uh, Vince McMahon loves to call them, live events. Um, and they were a main event card and, you know, main event match all over the United States. And some of it had great returns. And, you know, quite frankly, some didn't do so well the second time around. But is that is that really kind of the end-all, be-all as far as not making this the WrestleMania 8 main event? don't know. Pretty damn crazy to, uh, to think about that. So the idea of Hogan and Flair coming to your local area, it, to me, definitely. And you look at some of the returns and some of the numbers. It definitely generated a lot of excitement for the fans. Um, I think house shows at this point kind of weren't what they once were, if, if that makes sense. It's almost like in the peak period, the late 80s, well, really mid to late 80s, house show business was booming. All of a sudden, 90, 91, it, it's still good, but not as great as it was then where they're running multiple towns a night, where it's just crazy, where Hogan might be working two towns a night. It wasn't what they once were, but they were still you know, main part of the business and the key cog in the wheel. And they still did really good. And, you know, they were an added bonus really to help WB make some money. So instead of a natural feud here and this major feud in front of a nationally televised audience that led to a showdown, in the main event of WrestleMania eight, we got kind of substandard results, a secondary feud where they merely crossed paths a few times, kind of annoyed at that. If you think about it, I mean, yeah, and you should be, if you're a good fan thinking like, wow, like, Oh my God. Imagine if WWE didn't have the feud, I'd feel empty, you know, that they didn't have this feud. So thank God WWE came along and we realized, like, man, uh, we can make a shit ton of money off this feud that WWF screwed up on. So, what ended up happening, like we just mentioned, a couple of title matches in the pay per view between Hogan and The Undertaker, Survivor Series, and of course, this Tuesday in Texas. Flair interferes both times, leading into questionable finishes both times, and leading to the Royal Rumble where Flair wins the vacated WWE Championship after Sid eliminates Hogan, and Hogan kind of helps Flair eliminate Sid, aka Sid Justice. So, it was one of those things where Hogan, like we talked about in the Sid Justice episode, Hogan came off a little bit heelish, and Flair came off pretty damn awesome, and Sid even came off pretty good. So it was interesting to see that Flair wins, but a lot of the attention was on Hogan and Sid, and it's really, you know, to me, the greatest Royal Rumble of all time, and Flair did such a damn good job carry that match. Crazy uh, how well he did. So initially, we're going to have a press conference, and Hogan was announced as the guy that's going to square off against Ric Flair for the main event of WrestleMania eight. If you remember that great press conference, Hogan says, yes, yes. And Jack Tunney announces he's going to be the number one contender, but the card gets quickly changed to a double main event. Like I mentioned, Hogan versus Sid in the big feud that was brewing off the Royal rumble and Ric Flair versus the macho man, Randy Savage. So there may have many, many reasons as to why Hogan and Flair were not booked in the main event of WrestleMania. Supposedly, as story goes, McMahon, Vince McMahon, wanted to push Sid as the main event heel, the big bad guy for Hogan to face off against, and he felt that Savage was a better technical match for Flair and just kind of made more sense that way. Um, and then they were saying that, man, that maybe, maybe not. But as we've talked about before in the show, Vince saw Sid as like the next guy. So if you're going to be the next guy, hey, maybe feud with the current guy, Hogan, and get the big rub and the big push. And then when Hogan goes off and films movies, boom, put Sid in that spot and start giving Sid the big push and making him the man. But I don't know about that. That just seems like a little bit off there. So maybe another possible reason is maybe McMahon was apprehensive that Flair would not be able to get over and hasn't gotten over as much with the WB crowd, which is another thing that I kind of fight against. I mean, that was a rumor like, oh, maybe Flair wasn't over enough. I don't know about that. He seemed pretty damn over to me. They're saying in a lot of the rumors like, oh, this mainstream crowd is so kid-friendly, showbiz style. Um, 
they didn't really go to the more traditional fan base or the South and that works where Flair was super over. And that was really his home base. And he was the king of the territories and, you know, king of the NWA. I don't know how popular he was with WB. I don't know. He was pretty damn over. And when he won that Royal Rumble, he was pretty damn over. And I think he was definitely behind the crowd. So I don't know if I believe that rumor either. Uh, there was also, of course, around this time was when the steroid scandals were starting to break out. And, uh, you know, Hogan did apparently take some steroids during his prime, which is fine. A lot of guys did. Um, so they were kind of saying at this point, maybe they wanted Hogan to lay low until they required his testimony at the trial. Um, Hogan, of course, has his family at this point. He wants to focus on being a husband and a father. And then he has a big commitment to films like Mr. Nanny. So it's like. You know, Hogan's kind of being pulled in a bunch of different directions here. Do they want to have another Hogan title run? Do they want him to be the man? He's going to be missing time after WrestleMania. He's not really going to come back for many, many months. If you really look at it, he's not going to wrestle really for the rest of 1992 after he, um, after he, excuse me, after he um, beat Sid by DQ at WrestleMania, he's really not going to be around much. So it's like, do we really want him to be champ? Because what are we going to do? How is he going to be champ? He's going to have to have a quick run. I don't know if Hogan's going to go for that. So it's a lot of uh, different things at play here. I mean, a lot of different factors, a lot of different psychologies. Um, like, how do you book Hogan going forward? How do you book Flair going forward? Do you make this is a double draw and co-main events. And obviously that's the way they did. They're kind of both headed in different directions at this point in their career. Flair, you think is going to stick with WB in the long run here after having that big blow up with the NWA and WCW. But like, what do you do? I mean, and, and then they create this savage feud, which is just absolutely phenomenal to me because they make it so personal. They get Liz involved. Savage and Flair obviously have great chemistry. It's one of those things where it worked to an extent for sure. But then like, what do you do with Sid? So I don't know. Like it, it, it was to me, it's like, okay, it does kind of come off very WrestleMania esque that you get the double main event. Cause you get Hogan in a main event and you get Flair and Savage in the other main event. So while yes, that is pretty big time and that sounds great on paper and on the poster, it's not what the fans expected and maybe not wanted. What really you thought was going to be the WrestleMania eight card was going to be Hogan versus Flair in the main event for the title Savage versus Jake, the snake Roberts with that bitter, bitter feud that was going on at that point and probably Sid versus the undertaker. Obviously many things could change around. You get Hogan, Sid, Flair, Savage, and then Jake, the snake against the undertaker. And, you know, I, I mean, everything kind of worked out in, in a decent way and it was a decent show. Uh, maybe more than decent. It was pretty damn good, but, I don't know. Hogan said didn't quite uh, measure up, even though the crowd was pretty into it, just didn't measure up. The finish kind of gets screwed up. The only thing that kind of saved it was the warrior showing up and getting that big pop. But I don't know. There's many different reasons why like McMahon held back doing the Hogan flair feud. I think it could have been a huge moneymaker in 91 and 92. And I think that the marketing and promotion of Hulk Hogan, you know, carrying the WBF for all those years, could have continued on through 92. Maybe if he's filmed the movie, maybe not. But I, I still think he was super over at this point. Still the Hogan era. He's still the number one guy. You know that uh, Vince would have loved kind of keeping that money train going. And obviously, I think Hulk was still drawn at that point. Maybe he didn't see Flair in that moment. I'm not sure. When I did the J.J. Dillon, the J.J. podcast uh, back several months ago, which, by the way, you can check out at Patreon, patreon.com slash TMPT Empire. They have all the episodes up on there. JJ was kind of saying that the house shows had diminishing returns. And when Pat Patterson gets kind of sent away for a while and suspended by the WF for the sex scandal, JJ's put in charge and he's being you know the main man doing the booking him and vince and this was kind of the direction he wanted to go because vince was saying he didn't like what was happening with the hogan flair feud he thought there was going to be sellouts all over the country and there was at first but then slowly but surely less and less popular maybe they did it too much maybe they had too many matches that's definitely possible too because uh, you're having all these matches all over the country maybe it's not as special anymore you're kind of losing that speciality of it. Like if you're going to have this big match, maybe not have him touch and not have him wrestle so much. Yeah. You can practice the match and get comfortable and get some chemistry on the house shows, but maybe just don't do them. 
and do or do them less and you get hogan and flair and the big house shows that that you did have which you had great returns you know you just keep them and freshen everybody's mind and then move on to wrestlemania but it wasn't meant to be and jj kept sticking to that story of diminishing returns i don't know you know how true that exactly is, is, is i know it's somewhat true but i don't know how true it is where like the returns were so bad on the house shows that you had to go away from it i mean obviously flair's still the champ so they felt the need that he was strong enough of a draw to be world champion headed into the biggest show of the year wrestlemania 8 so i don't know i feel like it's it's one of those things where i don't think they wanted hogan to win the title and then go film a movie. That's just what it felt like to me. And to try to get Sid over. But then obviously Sid gets suspended. And ends up getting fired. And you have the Savage Flair feud continue. So really here. Okay. So we're talking about. What is marketable? What is a huge money maker? What's going to be a big main event. With the fans. You know. Is these. 15 minute Hogan Flair match is going to do it. How are they doing? Like I said, diminishing returns at first, really hot, really strong, but then they kind of slow down the kind of McMahon centric tactic in the territory. was always the big man. And a lot of people say that, Oh, he definitely wanted the big man versus Hogan. And that, that drew so well for them in the past. And that would continue. Why not have another big man like Sid, another big, scary heel, wrestle and feud with hogan and you know to a point i guess that makes sense and they teased it at royal rumble so they could easily go back to it it kind of left that open for that feud for sure giving that sid eliminated hogan and hogan cost sid the world title at royal rumble so i mean they kind of left themselves open and they definitely could do that and and do that you know and be that way but I don't know, there's definitely a different psychology between WWF and what they expected and, and the NWA slash WCW. Because remember, obviously, Ric Flair, they're known as the traveling world champion, going all the regional territories, defends the title night in, night out, seven days a week, sometimes eight, if you count maybe twice on Sundays. He's wrestling against the area's top contender. He's going 45 minutes, 60 minute man, you know, hour long matches. That's not going to happen with Hogan. You're not going to do that style with Hogan. And I don't think that really worked in New York much either. I just don't think that that maybe in people's minds that, okay, that style doesn't really mesh well with Hogan style. But they had good chemistry and they had some pretty good matches. So I don't know. I don't, to me, it's one of those things where I would have loved it. I think it would, they were missing out on that uh, for sure. It's just one of those things where I think Flair is the heel champ. And Hogan on the chase could have been a lot of fun, too. Um, I don't know. A lot of people are saying that the the two different philosophies and psychologies didn't mesh as far as Hogan and Flair. But I don't know. You watch the WCW matches, and they really did mesh well. I mean, they did really did have a lot to prove at that point, too. But I think that they did have great chemistry, and they could have meshed well. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's a factor that you want to throw in there, but I, I kind of don't know about that. Then you throw in the fact that Hogan supposedly wanted a big man style match. He wanted to wrestle the heel at WrestleMania, and he felt like Sid was the, the big heel that he definitely was going to get more bang for his buck from, and that him versus Flair wasn't going to be as good or as big of a draw as the main event for WrestleMania. I don't know. I don't know if, if that's necessarily true either. Um, I know Hogan was saying that you know, maybe that's more in line with his style at that point, but I don't think that um, Hogan and Sid really were going to have as good of a match as Hogan and Flair. Maybe you think it draw better because Sid was becoming a hot hand at that point. I still don't think it was going to draw better either, and I think that they they knew better than that, to be honest. So there was uh, many approaches by Vince and others behind the scenes to kind of make this match work, but it was not meant to be. The long-running feud that could have been the capper on the two top wrestling stars of the 1980s was not meant to be, and there was no real boost to the business after that. It seemed to be dying up, and maybe that was because of the steroid scandal that the business was starting to lose some momentum. But whatever reason was potentially behind doing this match and that it never really comes to fruition this hogan flair feud between 91 and 92 has to go down as the biggest missed opportunity in wrestling history and i feel like 
man, I wish that uh, it would have happened just for the fact that imagine that poster on your wall looking back would have been epic to have that. Uh, you do get a double main event, sure, but to me, I don't know, wasn't quite feeling that. But let's just talk about just a few of the matches, if we could, just to talk about, um, because they did have several, several matches here in the uh, WWF. So the first match that they had was on 10 91 Ric Flair defeats Hulk Hogan via countout. That was in the Hara Arena in Dayton, Ohio. Then we kind of go on to Oakland and Los Angeles and Tempe, Arizona and Pittsburgh, PA and Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Moline, Illinois and Champaign, Illinois, Denver, Colorado, Cincinnati, Ohio, the Civic Center in Springfield, Mass, the Memorial Coliseum in Portland, Oregon, the Cow Palace in San Francisco, the Convention Center in Anaheim, California, the sports arena in San Diego. And then of course, Fresno, California as well. I mean, they're wrestling through October and November here, and they're having a ton of matches. They of course go to Richfield, Ohio. They have matches, Evansville, Indiana, Rosemont, Illinois. We get the Philly spectrum. And then kind of before I get to MSG, just want to mention here. So Hogan is beating flair a lot on these shows, either via countout or via DQ. But they're doing something very interesting here where Flair actually wins the match. He cheats. He uses the brass knuckles. He pins Hogan. You get the ref saying that he sees the knucks. You get another ref coming in saying uh, he cheated. They restart the match. And then Hogan ends up winning by DQ or Countdown, which keeps Flair strong either way. But it's interesting. And it's quite shocking for the fans to see. Wow, Flair cheated. Wow, Flair beat Hogan. And you get this kind of shock value. But I don't know if that helped or hurt the feud and what was going on in a lot of these house show matches. Because at MSG on 11-30-1991, Hogan beats Flair via DQ in about 9 minutes and 25 seconds. This MSG show, of course, is always at the, or excuse me, always on the MSG network. And that was cool and it was awesome to see and the crowd was into it and kind of, not I wouldn't say split, but there were some Ric Flair fans there for sure. It was one of those things like, wow, Flair just beat Hogan. Like, you're absolutely shocked. They reversed the decision, then Hogan ends up winning by DQ. Kind of made Flair look strong by pinning Hogan. Yes, he cheated. He gets caught. But then Hogan beats Flair, and it's not by pinfall. It's always by DQ or counter. So I just found that very interesting. They were definitely keeping Flair strong. No doubt about that. So then they go on to Austin, Texas, St. Louis, Missouri, Honolulu, Hawaii, Landover, Maryland, Hershey, PA, Richmond, Virginia, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Rosemont, Illinois again, and then back to MSG on 12-29-1991. They kind of do the same shtick again. It's going to be on the MSG network. Hogan defeats Flair by a countout in 10 minutes there. Then we go to the Omni in Atlanta, Miami Arena, Miami, Florida, Spectrum again. And then we go to the Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, Ontario. And then we go to Boston, Mass. Interesting little note here. Flair is winning some of these shows. Like in Canada, Flair ends up winning that one by countout. So really, really keeping Nate strong here. I can't kind of preface that enough because that means like they have big plans for him. That means that he's drawing for them. That means that they like him in the position that he's in. All leading up to, like I mentioned before, Every man for himself. Royal Rumble 1992, Knickerbocker Arena, Albany, New York. Ric Flair ends up winning in 62 minutes and two seconds, and he wins the vacated WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Great match. Easily the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. But that just shows you, okay, if it's diminishing returns, it's not as strong, it's not as good, wouldn't that kind of mean that you're not going to go with Flair and not going to keep him strong? Well, you've been keeping him strong the whole time. He's been really not really losing to Hogan. I mean, this is Piper-esque, where you just lose by count on a DQ, and you really don't lose the match. So to me, it's a little uh, crazy here. And then you give him the title, so obviously you have a lot of faith in him, and you like him a lot. So then we go to Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Hogan defeats Flair by count out there. Then we start having some tag matches. Saturday night's main event, 1930. Excuse me, number 30. From Lubbock Municipal Coliseum in Lubbock, Texas. We talked about this in the Sid Justice episode. Hogan and Sid end up defeating Flair and Undertaker by DQ. This is, of course, the storyline piece here where Sid turns on Hogan, leading to the match at Mania. But all upon the 
walk to WrestleMania and lead to WrestleMania. Hogan and Piper defeat Flair and Undertaker in Orlando. Hogan and Piper defeat Flair and Undertaker in Michigan. Hogan and Piper defeat Flair and Sid Justice in West Palm Beach, Florida. Hogan and Piper defeat Flair and Sid in Minneapolis. Then again in Rochester. There's a 20-man battle royal, which Flair and Hogan and Sid are all in at Madison Square Garden. And that's, of course, on the MSG Network. Sid ends up winning that. Then we go to a house show in Pittsburgh. And then Boston, Hogan and Piper defeat Flair and Sid both those shows. We get a WWF Championship match. Flair defends the title against Hogan 3-1-92 in Bangor, Maine. Hogan defeats the H by count out there. You get a house show. Rosemont Horizon again. Hogan and Piper defeat Flair and Sid. We get another world championship match in Nashville. Hogan defeats Flair by a count out. Then a bunch of tag matches between Hogan and Piper versus Flair and Sid. Hogan and Piper winning all these matches in Mobile, Memphis, San Diego, Oakland, Philly, Richfield, Ohio, Toronto, Canada. Again, MSG Network, LA, Sacramento. And then the final match with Flair and Hogan is going to be in Auburn Hills, Michigan, 329-1992. Hogan and Savage, the Mega Powers, reunite, defeat Flair and Sid via DQ. So again, like I mentioned, this was the two biggest stars of the 80s, arguably the two biggest stars of all time, not having this epic feud that they should have, not having the WrestleMania payoff, to me, Hogan's going to go film the movie. They do have confidence in Flair. They do like Flair. They love Savage. Obviously, he's the 1B to Hogan's 1A. So having that double main event hurts them, they think, not at all. And having Sid Hogan, they think, is strong enough to kind of carry the card and draw well and be that big WrestleMania double co-feature co-main event that the fans would love to see. To me, Hogan's going to go film the movie. If they're teasing, this is the end of Hulkamania. If they're teasing, he's going to retire. I guess that's kind of fine. That works. And you just continue Savage versus Flair and have that feud. Savage beats Flair for the title. Flair beats him back. Ends up being Bret Hart in the fall. Defeats Flair. And we get the Bret Hart era, supposedly, starting there. So I think that's about it for this week. Let's wrap it up. Hogan versus Flair. The feud that never was. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and of course Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother. Here we go with our main event. Hulk Hogan squaring off against a man who claims to be the real world champion, Ric Flair. We're going to find out just about now. Ladies and gentlemen, this contest is scheduled for one about to come down the aisle, led by his executive consultant, Mr. Perfect, from Charlotte, North Carolina, weighing 242 pounds. Here is the man who says that he is the real world heavyweight champion, Rick. Look at this, handshake just above us. Ric Flair. Wait a minute, where is Mr. Perfect? He's supposed to be here. I have no idea. Uh-oh. And uh, can I leave my position here? We are attempting. Yes, there you have it. Oh, 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 oh,
making sure that you don't get a good look at that belt because Tony doesn't recognize it here in the World Wrestling Federation. He has Flair not to wear it to the ring. Flair refused. But that's not fair. The video distorts the championship that this man holds. That this is a this is a real world champion. You can distort that belt, but you can't distort what this man has done. Jack what Tony. he's going to do in the World Wrestling Federation, McMahon. Just hand, Mr. Perfect just handed Ric Flair something. 
Hogan stumbling back, going after Flair now. Spinching. Oh! That's it. Wait a minute. What a nice short left, huh? No, there's got to be more to it than that. Two! Three! Hulkamania dead, McMahon! I can't believe that. Wait a minute, if we can, if we can check that out. From my vantage point, I can no, see. No, 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 no. Yes, yes. Nah. Look at that. There's something in the back of his tights. Nah. Mr. Perfect handed something up. Ladies and gentlemen, there's definitely something here there. Here is your winner, Rip There's the real world champion, McMahon. I love to hear that. The winner, Rip Flair. Can't believe this. Ric Flair. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. The officials coming in. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, what they found doing? it. They found it. They won the tights of fair. They found it. There it is, Ralph. There it is. No, 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 no. No, that's not right. Who's to say he didn't plant something in his sights? Look at this. Hogan, all over Flair. Hogan's gone nuts.